You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM. and you're very welcome to Tech Thursday. This is Patrick Sheehan with you for the next hour or so. Uh, I'm going to be looking at any of the latest in tech. And of course, I'm here every week to answer any questions you might have. Uh, you can call 069 and you can leave a question for me. Uh, or you can text 087 and it's the same number, of course, for WhatsApp. Or you can email uh, reception102 at gmail.com and you can leave a question marked for Tech Thursday or for Patrick Sheehan and uh, I'll answer it in the next show. Uh, To start off with, we have um, how good is Starlink satellite internet from SpaceX? Uh, the person in this article I'm looking at tried it out from CNET. Um, So what Starlink is, is Elon Musk... um, of course, owns Tesla and owns SpaceX and lots of other different companies. Uh, he's a kind of entrepreneur and he started up uh, Starlink as well, which is uh, using SpaceX to, to send rockets up with, um, with different satellites that, uh, that are just on the edge of space and they cover large amounts of the sky um, to provide internet to the people below. So it's different than the normal, say, satellites uh, that would be in higher orbit uh, because they they wouldn't be able to provide um, as fast an internet because they're they're higher up. Uh, but these ones can provide faster internet, but they're lower down, so that more of them are needed. Um, so that's uh, why there some people were given out because it, it was affecting the night sky that you could see the Starlink's uh, satellites in low orbit kind of thing floating around. But um, they, they seem to have got approval in a lot of places. But the reason he's doing it is because eventually if he gets enough satellites um, that everyone in the world will be able to have, you know, or in certain areas where they're flying over. But I presume most of the world will be able to get... Um, internet access from anywhere uh even you could be a remote part of the desert and you can have like high speed internet you know or anywhere in the jungles <laughs> or anywhere uh so that's the whole idea behind it but uh you know it's it's still in its infancy there are some satellites up there and it is available in certain areas and it's not as fast as it's going to be but um uh, some people, uh, this person in this article, signed up to the beta tester of Starlink and put it through its paces to see if it could cope with playing games, streaming video, and what the uptime was like. Uh, back in October, SpaceX announced it would be recruiting beta testers for its satellite broadband offshoot Starlink better than nothing service. Yeah, so it's really, they like they came out and said it. It's not going to be fast. It's going to be on and off, but we want testers. So as soon as the announcement was made, and, and plus... People uh, that say, I think it's in America, most of them, like, are in the deep countryside that have no internet at all, or that have, like, old wired internet, dial-up internet that that you can't even watch video on, uh, would be able to try it. So, as soon as the announcement was made, I signed up to notified uh, when the spot opened up in my area. Walnut Creek, about 30 minutes east of San Francisco. Fast forward in February and I forked over $594 tax shipping and one month of service included to see what it's like to use Starlink. Uh, The beta starter kit that arrived in a £30 box at my door included a Starlink antenna dish, Wi-Fi router, power adapter, cables and a mounting tripod. 
uh, for $99 a month. You can expect to see data speeds anywhere between 50 and 150 megabits per second. Uh, well, yeah, that's good. Like, uh, 50 is watchable enough for videos, and 150 is very fast. Um, uh, at a latency, the time it takes to get a response uh, for the information sent on it, uh, the latency of around 20 to 40 milliseconds. Uh, the real kicker here is no data caps. The price, speeds, and unlimited data are unheard of in the satellite internet industry. But note that Starlink is catering towards those who live in remote and rural communities that have limited access to internet service providers. Those who live in more urban areas like me tend to have more ISP choices, so Starlink would likely not be the first to come to mind for that. Um, and I'm sure, of course, the prices will come down. On There's a picture. It just looks like a little, you know, like a sky satellite dish, but on, a, on the ground on a little tripod. Um, I presume you can put it on a house roof and things like that. It has to be pointed in a certain direction, I presume. Uh, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk tweeted in February that Starlink expects to double speeds by the end of 2021 as the company continues to launch more satellites. As of March, SpaceX has launched 1,300 satellites out of uh, the 12,000 planned. So what's it like using Starlink? Setup is actually quite easy. It's pretty much plug and play as long as the antenna has a clear view of the sky, the dish will automatically align itself. Oh, cool. Oh, so it self-aligns. Because I've seen the guys doing the, the like the sky dishes and stuff, and they had to move the dish to exact point in the sky, and they have a little uh, digital machine that tells them what direction to, to, to put it in and uh, set it in that place, and then it'll always pick up the connection from there. But this one does it by itself. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, with satellites overhead you should be connected to the internet sounds pretty simple right that's the first week uh, starlink was going through an intermittent service outage in my area which meant i could not have a consistent internet connection uh, i checked the starlink subreddit and it seemed like a wilder issue uh, affecting customers in multiple a wider issue uh, in multi multiple regions my internet connection kept dropping out to the point where it was usable unusable it took about four days for the outage to clear in my case and when it did starlink worked flawlessly my average download speeds hovered around 78 mb per second and a latency of 36 uh, milliseconds the download speeds and latency look very promising uh watch the video uh, so they, they've connected the video there on cnet to show how it worked for them so yeah it's a uh, i suppose when it's done eventually uh when it's all um Honed in, you know, these things are in their infancy, so they are. Uh, it's called a beta test for a reason. You know, they're really testing it out, and they're getting more satellites up there. And it'll be great for people in the countryside and less ro routing of cables and things like that. And if it gets up to one fifty, that's that's um, that's pretty good. That's like uh, you know, faster than most of the homes here get, unless you've like fiber to the home or something. So that's pretty good. Uh, for satellite broadband, that's brilliant. And that's the reason it's in lower orbit as well and more needed because obviously the lower down they are, the less of the earth that they can see, that they can point at. So. Uh, iOS 40.5 Siri to get new voice options and won't default to a female voice. The latest iOS 14.5 developer, so this is anyone with iPhones and stuff, the latest update, will have new voices. Uh, prompts users to choose for the first time the voice they prefer for Siri. 
Uh, the upcoming version of I did it not before. Was it just one voice and that was it? I thought you'd have multiple voices anyway, surely. Uh, the upcoming uh, version of Apple's operating system, iOS 40.5, will add two new voices uh, for Siri. Or they're just adding extra ones. Uh, and for the first time, we'll let users choose which voice they prefer for the digital assistant instead of defaulting to a female voice. These changes appeared in the latest developer beta version of the OS released on Wednesday and first reported by TechCrunch. Actually, that's this is a, an interesting uh, thing. The voice of Siri, the first female voice, the original voice that's used all along, follows me on Twitter. Uh, I forget her name. Um, Sarah, I forget. But um, yeah, that's just pretty. Uh, yeah, so the the default voice won't be that. Well, sure, it doesn't really matter. Like as long as, long as they give you a, like a selection of them, it, it's okay to default to whatever voice. Uh, that's a good voice anyway. Um, so they could always uh, you you can always just go in and change it yourself. Same with Google and stuff. So it's not a a big story. Uh, Ring uh, video doorbell two pro review. Do you really need radar at your door? <coughs> so I guess the new Ring uh, video doorbell thing has radar as well. Uh, despite a promising innovation and improved specs, Ring's uh, products still can't escape the shadow of their controversies. Uh, Ring has been called out for its partnership with the local police departments in the US, leading privacy advocates to express concern about the Ring, uh, the what Ring shares with law enforcement and how they use that information. Um, in 2019, thousands of Ring users' personal information was exposed, leading to stop uh, <coughs> to the to the CNET uh, stopping recommending Ring products. So what was happening was, say, there was a crime taking place in like a housing estate, and they used the footage from video doorbells to see what actually happened in the crime, so they could like prosecute the right person or to see what really happened. And uh, but they were, I suppose, uh, Ring just gave them the information, and maybe they weren't. Although it wasn't looking into the person's home or anything, it was just looking on outside on the street, and they just wanted to. The police wanted to see what happened. Same as like from a CCTV, kind of easy CCTV, really. So it's just like getting the footage from a CCTV. But uh, the, this article doesn't like that it's a breach of privacy or something. Uh, from offering customers a control center dashboard, allowing people more easily access privacy and security settings. Also, they you can ha- you can um, choose to turn that off now and have two-factor authentication, which would make it a make it a bit safer and others won't be able to access it even ring themselves i suppose uh so yeah there's no harm if you everything should be your choice you know if you want you know to if they could ask like uh there's been a crime taking place outside and they were asking for your footage and would you allow to have it and if you said yes then that's fine i think that should be how it should go isn't it uh, SpaceX Starship SN. So that's more. It's another um, Elon Musk story. <laughs> uh, SpaceX Starship SN11 test flight soars high and explodes in the fog. Uh, a launch in zero visibility comes to a dramatic but unclear end. At least the crater is in the right place, Elon Musk says. The SpaceX Starship SN11 prototype joined the company's past three prototypes in rocket heaven on Tuesday. <laughs> The uncrewed flight of the next-generation rocket built by Elon Musk company took flight from the Starship development facility in Boca Chica, Texas, at 8 a.m. local time amid heavy fog with no real visibility. 
Uh, it lit up its three Raptor engines and soared into an altitude of about six miles, uh, ten kilometers. On board cameras showed SN11s flapping its flaps above the cloudy bank. Uh, the blue sky background momentarily before its descent. Uh, SpaceX cameras froze as the Raptors began to reignite um, for landing. With the fog on the ground, it's not clear exactly what happened, except SN11 uh, definitely exploded. Um, I do. I don't know how many tests these um, these things normally do. You know, like when they were preparing the Apollo missions. Do they have like dozens of tests? Do they have like five tests? Do they have, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. There's there's a lot of SpaceX testing going on at the moment. So you know, is that normal? that they have lots and lots of explosions and different ones and that they're expecting them to explode all the time or is it usually quicker or slower? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the... You know, there's been, like over the last few months there's been like seven or eight different rockets that have been tested and exploding and all that. So um, <clears throat> let's hope they can do a better job when the, when, <laughs> when the manned ones come out. I'm sure they will. Uh, Amazon's Alexa lets you control a Lamborghini's air conditioning with just your voice. Voice assistant arrives in Hurricane Evo. Well, I have a Ford Focus and Ford Sync lets you control the air conditioning with your voice as well. You press the button and then you talk, uh, tell it what to do. But it's very clunky and very, <laughs> it's poor to be honest. The 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 Sync system in the like the 3.5 um, Ford Focuses. So, um, yeah, I presume Alexa would be better um, than than that. Uh, plus a Lamborghini, you're going to be paying like 200 grand or whatever plus. Um, Amazon is taking a bigger step into cars today with integrating uh, Alexa into Lamborghini Hurricanes Evo and not just to ask questions or remotely control your home. It's giving the assistant to, uh, the ability to control settings inside the car hands-free. Yeah, that's a smart thing. Like, that should be going on all the time, you know. Um the likes of Google should be doing the same thing. Uh, the partnership was originally announced last year as part of Amazon's push into cars, but the integration goes well beyond Alexa as usual bag of tricks. Like, why don't a lot of the car companies should be doing that? Like, the, the TV companies are doing it. Like, um, you could buy a new Sony TV and you could have Google... Um, the Google uh, apps and all that stuff built into it and Google Voice Assistant and all that built into a, another makes TV, you know. They they share with each other. So why don't cars do the same? You know, maybe um, Google and they may... Well, they have Android Auto, I suppose. But, yeah, a more integrated... Um, like, they can control air conditioning systems and all that, but it's very flexible. So, like, the car company can buy it and then do their own, buy the licensing and do their own, uh, the, it can be adjusted to, to do whatever it needs to do in each individual car, but like a kind of a generic, like they do at the moment with, uh, you know, Xiaomi can buy the Google software and uh, Sony can buy it and Samsung can buy it and they can it can do all the phones and do all the jobs in all the different phones and like builders' phones that have the, app that can like see through the walls or to to you know to see metal inside the walls and 
periscope attachments and you know it can do all different kind of phones can do all different kind of things so i'm sure cars could do the same so um maybe google have that already i know they have android auto but that's more of an app that you can use to kind of do stuff on your phone through bluetooth on your car and things like that or that's built into some cars where you can talk to it to play basic stuff but i'm sure for controlling systems and things like that obviously nothing to do with like the actual car driving or you know but well maybe eventually but God, that's what tesla i presume are doing uh but i don't know if they have voice for do they probably do uh, no in tesla they probably do but uh yeah that's i think that'd be a good idea if uh the likes of like toyota ford whoever could license uh google software and put it in and do updates and stuff like that because that's yeah that's exactly what tesla tesla are doing they do automatic updates to their cars and they, they it's mad too though when you think about it someone someone said to me one time that you can buy a tesla and you know it doesn't have the the automatic driving um the autonomous mode and you pay like seven or eight grand or something and they just send an update you're paying like seven grand for just a computer update isn't it mad <laughs> Is mad just uh, for nothing? Like, well, it is not nothing. You know, it's probably millions in development and all that kind of thing. But for no physical, yeah, they just send you an update. But I suppose that's how things are nowadays. A lot of us don't see much money anymore. It's just using cards and tapping to pay for stuff. So, yeah, you don't see much there either. You know. So yeah, that's the way of the world. It's, we're all digital. Um, analog Pocket is the latest gadget delayed due to the ongoing global electronic components shortage. Uh, so this was a lot of the reason as well with the delay with the PS5. Uh, the reason some electronics prices are kind of going up or not coming down or uh, lots of different things. Uh, but there is uh, certain items are short at the moment because of... Uh, the pandemic and everything like that. Uh, Analog Pockets is the latest gadget to be negatively impacted by the global shortage of chips and electronic components. Uh, the sleek and modern device that allows you to play Game Boy cartridges will now launch in October. An additional five-month delay uh, the company announced today. That's something I never had, actually. I had Atari 2600s and uh, Sega Mega Drives and... What? Actually, I had um, a PlayStation... Um, What's the place? The first one, PlayStation. I forget the name of it. Uh, the handheld PlayStation, the very first one. I had one of those. Um, I didn't have to. I never had too many handheld. I had a barcode battler. Anyone remember them? Years ago in like Quinsworth, or I think it was that time. You could buy these barcode bat. I think it wasn't them that made it though. It was someone else. But I still have it in the box and all. Uh, and it came with all these cards and you scan barcodes and you could scan barcodes from stuff you bought and it gives you different. I actually never learned how to play it. I don't think it's anybody can. <laughs> I think it's impossible to play. But um, yeah, you scan barcodes and it gives you different points and it, it you have a monster or something and it fights against another monster. But it's like a really uh, simple like LCD screen. But it's it's kind of cool in a retro kind of way, you know. Um, but <laughs> it was terrible, though. It was really bad. But uh, there's, uh, you know, those things become kind of cool, you know. Um, but I never really, yeah, had, I never had a Game Boy or anything like that. Uh, so this is kind of cool. It's uh, I, Will it upgrade the games and things like that? 
Uh, this is just talking about the challenges to actually bring it out. This is not the first time Analog had to delay the pocket. Last July, the company announced it would not hit its 2020 release window and push it back. Analog is among uh, Analog is among many companies affected by the component shortages, which have slowed down the production of many electronics. Actually, speaking of electronics. Um, the PlayStation 5 controllers, the analog sticks, you know, the two sticks that you play with, are, I was watching a video about them. They're the same ones used in the PS4, possibly even the PS3, but definitely the PS4, and used in the Nintendo Switch. And they were notoriously troublesome in the PS4 and the Switch. Because, like, uh, it happened. I have two PS4, possibly three PS4 controllers that have... Um, there's a word for it, but I forget it now, where it just decides to go left or right and, like, will not stop. You know, you, you'll push the other direction and it, uh, the minute you let it go to center, it goes off in the opposite direction. And, like, they're very, very delicate. They're very, very troublesome. And Sony knew that, but they still decided to put them into the, the same ones, the same brand from the same company, into the newest, the PS5s as well, which is very worrying. So, like, I'm awful fear. And, like, one of them, I know for sure, I was using it. It was perfect. And I have a very, very low um, coffee table in my sitting room. And it fell from there to the floor, which was, like, the, the height of your, under the height of your knee when you're sitting down, a height, much, much lower. And it fell to the ground from there, and it was broken. It's, like, incredibly delicate. And they're very hard. They're soldered in. There's like six or eight. I saw somebody desoldering them and putting in new ones. And it's a big job. You have to desolder like six or eight different points, pull it out and resolder in again. Uh, it's actually a big deal. Some people have found shortcuts where they have like a whole pot of solder and they just dip the whole card in the pot to melt all five at the same time, pull it out, put in the new one and dip it again in the solder to resolder it. So they have like tricks. But... um. It's kind of ridiculous, though, that they haven't replaced them with with more efficient ones. They they were saying that the hours are certain, so many, the life that they were given was so many hundred hours or so many thousand hours uh, of play. But they were saying that, like, for heavy users uh, or for so many movements they're designed for, is it a a couple of million movements or however many? And they were saying that some players, that like Call of Duty players, that they were testing that means like a year or something or a year and a half or something. Not not very much anyway for the heavy duty players. But they're also very prone to like they can take any abuse. So like the other day, my PS5 controller was on the sofa and it kind of fell onto the ground. And I was, oh, no, not again. So uh, I tried it out, but it was OK because they're so expensive now. They're like, they're are they shoving 80 euro or 70, 80 euro? Uh, so... I do not want to be replacing a PS5 controller. I have one, and that's all I'm... <laughs> I have the media remote, and that's it. I don't want to be uh, having to buy another one, and especially when it has those same poor uh, controllers in them. You think for the price of them. And, like, they they really improved on the, the triggers and everything, and the haptic feedback and everything like that. You'd think they would also uh, have improved on the sticks. Uh, it, they work great. You know, they're brilliant while they work. But they they uh, to get more uh, get stronger ones. They said if any like particles and dust gets in as well, it can affect them. They were showing how it works. It's like a 
a kind of a circular magnet or something on on multiple sides so it shows the distance you're from it's it's a, like an little electrical current going from it and it moves around a little metal component moves around the ring or something it can tell what distance it is from one in say where the the, the current begins in the ring and where to where it exits and that gives it its position and there's two of those or three of those or four of those probably maybe uh and it it can tell where what position it's at at the same time and so if one of them gets damaged if particles gets in if certain there's a little plastic thing if that moves as well it knocks the alignment out and people try to realign them they try to take them out apart and clean them uh, and put them back together again and it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't but um they really need to make uh, like uh, maybe if they made like a metal casing around it or some I don't know there must be some way to to make it more sturdy uh, but they really need to do that uh, on to the next story the DualSense adaptive tr- oh this is the speaking of PS5 controllers <laughs> I didn't even know this story was coming up next uh, the DualSense adaptive triggers show how to make a button feel next generation exactly that's what I was saying they're so amazing uh, but then they, they let themselves down with the with the the other parts of the, of the same controller uh, buttons of the month <laughs> PS5 Jules and they really are they really are good like um my who is it my brother or something the first time he was trying it or my nephew did you know you feel like you're gonna break the controller you know you're the they can really make it hard to push in the buttons and uh you know i was playing the, the game that comes with the ps5 with the, the it's a pretty much a tester for them for the controller and the part where the character is like a spring underneath and you have to squeeze the controller in and out and in and out for the spring to compress and bounce so the character can bounce along and um it really makes it tougher to push you know it's a it's really cool but you can turn it off as well i was looking in the settings you can actually just turn it off so if you had something like arthritis or something where you you weren't able to do that you didn't have the strength in your hands to do that um you could turn it off and just play it normally uh, but it, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, the DualSense controller is an incredible input device, perhaps the most tangible example of next-gen gaming uh, the new wave of consoles has offered to date. But you won't necessarily see the updates just from looking at Sony's controller. At first glance, there's very few differences between the PS4's DualShock and the PS5's DualSense, uh, which share nearly identical button layouts, but the DualSense uh, changes the game literally. <coughs> Nonetheless... Thanks to the near magic of its adaptive trigger system, uh, you can adjust the tension of the rear buttons to make it easier or harder uh, to press them down in response to gameplay. It turns out the answer to revolutionizing the controller is to add more buttons. Uh, It isn't to add more buttons, but to make the ones we already have a deeper, better experience. And the haptic feedback then just it adds to that as well you know before we had just vibrations it was just like uh if if you're in a shooting game and someone's shooting at you the 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 control vibrates but this has like different tones of vibrate you know it's like you know it does lots of different vibrations uh depends on what you're doing and it, it and they add there has this, there's a speaker built in so it's like the character is walking on ice, on ice or something like that, and it's like clink, 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 clink. He has like pointy feet, you know, um, and you can kind of feel it and hear it at the same time. And the, with the triggers added in as well, 
it's it's more so much more immersive you 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 can really feel that you're <laughs> that you're actually walking on ice or something that the character is really walking on yeah or on sand or on all the different it's the 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 game that comes with the ps5 is a very good um it's it's a good game but it's also a very good showing for the controller you know to to show the the next gen uh form of it uh, you only need to pick up a DualSense and launch into a game to see that it's nothing like its predecessor. The first PS5 game I played was Spider-Man Miles Morales and I still remember feeling the rumble of the train crackle, uh, the crackle of electricity through the controller's haptic feedback. Another new addition to this generation for the first time. But even more critical of how the adaptive triggers changed the web-swinging uh, thwip. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, as Miles soars through Manhattan now uh, has a slight resistance to it adding a sense of life and momentum to the traversal. From a gameplay perspective, the controls are virtually the same as the PS4 Spider-Man, but the new technology helps bring the game to life in a new dimension. I haven't played that Spider-Man yet. I'm waiting for the price to come down. When it's about 20, 30 euro, I'll get it then. Uh, from a technical perspective, it's an incredibly immersive system. Each trigger has a separate geared motor. Uh, that allows the controller to adjust the tension and resistance uh, on the fly depending on how the motor is engaged. Uh, it can feel like anything from a smooth effortless glide to an almost physical fight to depress the trigger. And while I'm still a little wary about the long-term durability here, uh, more moving parts generally mean more points of failure. It's one of the most cleverly engineered buttons in tech today. Yeah, yeah. well, hopefully, hopefully it keeps going. <laughs> Uh, hopefully it's more robust than the than the the other parts of it, uh, and the DualSense benefits are clear across multiple PS5 games. And Astro, yeah, Astro's Playroom is the game I couldn't think of the name. Of. It's a great game, and it's yeah, as I say, it's free and built into the PS5. Uh, designed as a showcase for the controller uh, you can feel the fiery rush of a jetpack and twang of each boat. Do I have a jetpack? I didn't get that far in it yet, I guess. Um, and the twang of each bowstring. Uh, in Destruction All-Stars, the triggers help subtly tell you when you're picking up acceleration or braking as the increase or decrease of pressure uh, it takes to push them and warn you of your vehicle's imminent destruction with a bulking sensation. Bulking? Bucking? Buckling sensation? As you push uh, your battered car to its limit. Uh, Fortnite's guns... Also, oh, it works with Fortnite as well. Uh, feel unique uh, I must actually try it with Fortnite uh, I must try I haven't played Fortnite in a while I didn't know it had all the, the adaptive trigger stuff built in so that's pretty cool uh, with a shotgun blast a pistol shot and heavy rifle um, all firing differently in the new episode in the new console uh, seeing how games take advantage of the new triggers has already come uh, has be, uh, already become uh, my favourite thing to do whenever I boot up a new PS5 game and Sony has done a remarkable job of uh, making uh, each press of the buttons feel more significant that's glad I'm glad they're doing a lot of games with it because that's what it was the afraid I was, I was afraid of you know that the big touchpad in the middle with that you can press in or you can uh, move around that they uh, introduced on the PS4 they never really did too much with that uh, on the PS4 and that was the big letdown because it, it was very I used it in a few games like war games and stuff and it was very useful but they didn't add it to enough games uh, so I'm glad that they're they're uh, embracing it with the PS5 and I hope they do more because it really suits games it really um, it's like the difference between going to like uh, Avatar 
in in the cinema and going to Avatar in 3D in the cinema. You know, it's so so much more immersive in 3D. Uh, although 3D is going out of fashion now as well. It's a pity. I like 3D if it's done well. That was the pro. I think that's what messed up um, 3D was the, the like the my bloody Valentine 3D or something. The ones that were just lazy about it and you'd get a headache watching it. But the ones that made it so good in was the likes of Avatar that was really well done. The time was spent to do it properly and it really stood out. You know, it really uh, worked very, very well. I, I'll always remember that in the seeing uh, Avatar in the IMAX screen in 3D. It was amazing. Next story is how to use your Android or iOS device as a webcam. So this could be very handy. Um, useful if you have a spare phone and no webcam for your PC. Uh, a good webcam, let alone any webcam, is tough to find these days. Just put a time marker in the post. Uh, on this post, uh, the coronavirus pandemic has moved uh, so much of America's workforce. Yeah, so yeah, they're saying that the tech supplies are short and people are working from home. Um, so and let's see where they get to the part. Uh, we'd like to equip your home, your Windows 10 or Mac OS computers with a decent camera. Thankfully, you don't have to fight the online crowd to spend or spend thousands on a webcam or hundreds on a webcam uh, that you may or may not get much use out of. But we're on the side of this pandemic. Uh, this is an alternative. A spare uh, or your current Android or iOS phone or tablet might have for you. Uh, we'll start uh, with how to get your Android phone or tablet uh, to act as a webcam for your computer. And we'll move on to doing the same with the iPhone. Uh, you can easily turn a wise security camera into a webcam as well, which would likely get for, um, far better video quality from your phone. Okay, so Android phone. There are several apps in the Google Play Store that claim to morph your Android device into a webcam. Out of the few that I tried, DroidCam offers the easiest setup with the most reliable results. I don't doubt that there are more clever app-free uh, solutions to get this done, but for the sake of simplicity, this is what we're doing. Download and install the free version of DroidCam from the Play Store. It requires a device running uh, Android 5.0 Lollipop or newer. That's most phones now. Five, Lollipop is like four or five years ago, so I think most of them. Uh, the developer, uh, Dev47 Apps, makes a desktop client for Windows 10 and Linux, but unfortunately not for macOS. Uh, and you'll need uh, to download onto your computer. Note, uh, notice I'm focusing on the steps to use in Windows 10 in this how-to. Make sure that you download the latest version since it addresses some issues that might cause a headache if you use an earlier version. Actually, that's another tip. If you have um, Windows 8 or Windows 7 possibly, but definitely or Windows 8, uh, you can just go to the Microsoft Google-like um Windows 10 download and it'll take you the one of the first ones will be the Microsoft Store and you can download if you want uh, download and install Windows 10 for free from the Microsoft website yeah if you look up my um, Windows 10 free or something from their own website so that's pretty cool that they just give it to you for free uh, after the Android app is installed focus on whether the desktop app and running uh, is running during installation you'll need to allow the app to install audio drivers uh, feel free to uncheck Always Trust Software from Dev447 Apps if you prefer. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, once the, the, Windows app, the Windows app is running, you'll see options near the top app window that will let you connect your device wirelessly or via USB. 
it's actually easier to connect via Wi-Fi. So that's what we're going to focus on. Thankfully, uh, it's on that setting by default. Below those options, you'll see a box where you need to input your Android device's IP address. At this point, open the DriveCam app on your Android phone or tablet. It will then show your device's IP address. Go back to your PC and input that address in the field called Device IP. Um, there are two things to do before you hit Start in the desktop app. So it's not as it's not as simple as it could have been, but uh, like just turn on the two apps and press Connect and they find each other kind of thing. But uh, it'd be worth it though, um, rather than paying 60, 70 quid for a camera that might be able to match a good phone camera. Uh, so there are two things that to do before you hit start on the desktop app. Sure. Um, first, be sure both boxes for video and audio are checked. If only video is checked, your phone's microphone won't pick up your voice. Next, click the three vertical dots in the top right corner of your Android app to open the settings. Uh, there in the camera section, you can choose whether uh, to use the front-facing or back-facing camera. Uh, your back-facing camera is almost guaranteed to be more capable than your selfie cam. Yeah, that's true. So I recommend using that. Most of the other default settings are set uh, to the ideal choice so you can leave them. Uh, finally, hit the start in your desktop app to initiate the connection. You should see a preview of your video feed on your PC screen. If you don't see it, ensure both your PC and Android device are in the same uh, Wi-Fi network or LAN. Um, the PC is wired to the internet, so it looks wirelessly uh, with my phone. So the wire to the, he's the, the this person's pc is wired to the internet so it looks it works wirelessly with my phone because they're on the same network now simply open up your preferred video conferencing app like zoom google meet or skype uh, in the video setting within each app switch the default camera to droid cam source 2 or droid cam source 3 one of these should mirror what you see in your in the droid cam uh, client window and then you can see yourself. Uh, to make your device's microphone the default input in your, video in your video conferencing app, go to the microphone section in your video conferencing app. It may be referred to as audio input and select DroidCam Virtual Audio. Once you do that, it should work as intended. Uh, quick aside, if you're using the front-facing camera for video duties and for some reason you need to grab your phone uh, turned webcam to send a text or browse your contacts uh, DroidCam won't stop you but you can collapse uh, you can collapse the app without interrupting the camera feed uh, now if you're using a phone uh, you'll want to figure out a way to position it at your desk to get a webcam like angle of your face for some this could be the most difficult step uh, though a simple solution for me came in the form of a car dashboard mount that I already had uh, I own this model from, oh yeah, that might be handy, just one that they were showing, but uh, yeah, a car dashboard mount might be handy. Uh, and it could stick to your to your desk if it has a long arm or it might grip onto the, the um, monitor or the computer itself. Uh, so practically any phone should fit. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So let's have a quick look at how to do it uh, with Android. Or with uh, Apple. Uh, you may also notice several additional DroidCam X products control in the screenshot below. Uh, you need to, This is on The Verge as well, by the way, if you want to read this back. Uh, you'll need to pay $4.99 to access those, but uh, you can do that if you wish to support the developer. You may be happy with the free version, uh, which doesn't display watermarks. Uh, 
or or make you jump through many too many hoops. So that's pretty good. Fair play to them. Um, okay, to use your iPhone, iPad as a webcam. Uh, just like Android, there are several iOS apps. The claim to turn your mobile device into a webcam. Recently, Dev for Apps released DroidCam um, on iOS. After testing it, I feel confident recommending it. The app is simple to set up. It works flawlessly. It utilizes the same DroidCam Windows client that the Android version uses. Um, though, unfortunately, it's still not available on macOS. The instructions above uh, the Android section mirror that you, what you have to do to set up your iOS device. Uh, another solid option is Epoch Cam. Uh, so you well, you can install it, but it, it's not av- available on the Mac OS yet. So you can't install it on your Mac to 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 connect up. But you can install it on your on your iOS phone and then connect it to a different app on the on the the Mac OS um, computer. So maybe is that what they're trying to say? Another solid option is Epoch Cam, which is uh, acquired in 2020 by Elgato, which makes them the stream decks and things like that. The little uh, device you can plug into your computer, and you can uh, there's loads of buttons on it. You can assign them to do uh, different things. Uh, very handy. My brother loves it for his podcast. You can just hit a button that plays the intro, hit another button that plays the outro. Does lots of different things, and it's all customizable. And each button is a little screen. So it'll it'll write on it what what it does at the time, and then you can have like ten different ones ready to go. So you could be doing five different podcasts, and you could have five setups. So your your little Elgato Stream Deck will change depends on which one you're doing, and it can be easily just dragged and drop into each button to set it up and all that. So it's it's actually really cool. Uh, but that's to say they bought Epoch Cam. It requires iOS thirteen or later. It was once supported on Android, but no longer. Um, as with DroidCam, you don't need to use any cables or to get it working. There's a, a free limited version and a $799 paid version called Epoch Cam Pro uh, that has more features and a higher resolution stream for your camera uh, to use either. Uh, download and install Epoch Cam and the paid version. Uh, the paid version lives here. Also, they have little links and all. So I'd actually recommend to go to the Verge to see how to do all this. Uh, a set of desktop drivers for Epoch Cam is available f- for both Windows 10 and Mac OS, uh, unlike the DroidCam, uh, which isn't available on Mac OS, I guess. Head to Elgato site to download the necessary drivers for your machine. After you've installed the desktop drivers, you you don't need to concern yourself with opening, opening an app on your computer. Just make sure that your iOS device and computer are on the same Wi-Fi or LAN. Open the mobile app and launch your video conferencing app on your computer. Uh, every video meeting app that I tried works seamlessly with my iOS device. Just look for Epoch Cam in the camera settings. Once you select it, you should see a notification appear on your computer confirming that the camera is connected via Wi-Fi. In my case, it said Epoch Cam iOS uh, connecting uh, using Wi-Fi. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there are a few troubleshooting steps to take uh, if things aren't working perfectly from the start. If you're using a browser-based video conferencing app rather than a separate computer app, make sure that you give the browser permission to um, access your webcam. A notification should appear asking for your permission. 
Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there are a few things to note about the free version of Epoch Cam. First, its uh, free feature set is much more restrictive than Droid Cams. Uh, the free version shows a watermark on your video feed and throttles the resolution to 640 by 480, uh, 30 frames per second. So that's kind of poor enough quality. It's not going to be HD quality or anything. So what's more, the free version doesn't even let you use your device's microphone. Uh, so you'll need to plug in a set of headphones into your computer to use the inline mic or if you have a USB mic or something, uh, which isn't too bad if you are, if you're doing a podcast or something, you probably already have a kind of condenser USB mic or a mixer and an XLR mic. Uh, so you'd probably be okay that way. But if you really wanted to use just the phone, you'd have to get the premium version. Okay, so that's uh, that's very useful. That's on TheVerge.com. And we're almost finished now, so I'll just quickly... 150 new jobs at Hewlett-Packard in Galway and Kildare. So that's good news. Um, and the technology services and equipment producer Hewlett-Packard. The new roles will be in research and development, cybersecurity, software development, and cloud consulting. Uh, the new staff will be recruited over the next two years in Ballybrit and Leak Slip offices. So that's great news. Um... Facebook bans the voice of Trump from its platform. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, somebody put up an interview with Donald Trump and they took it down because his voice was in it. So his voice is now banned from Facebook. So what if you put up a meme or of him saying something funny or something? It's a bit ridiculous. You know, I don't know. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Just his voice is banned. Like uh, Apple will recalibrate iPhone 11 batteries to fix performance and capacity issues, and that that problem keeps cropping up with Apple. Um, Apple will try to fix battery drain and reduce performance issues uh, that have plagued some Android 11 devices by recalibrating their batteries in an upcoming update. Uh, according to Apple's support document, the process will happen when you update an iPhone 11, 11 Pro or 11 Pro Max to the upcoming iOS 14.5. It might take a few weeks uh, for the battery health system to figure out how much capacity your battery has left and how much performance it can provide, according to the document. It doesn't seem like users should notice too much of a difference during the process. Do you know what would be handy? If they just left where you can uh, open the back, take out the battery and put in a new battery and you don't lose your performance because the battery is is going down like uh, it was done (laughs) in thousands of phones before. Why can't they just do that again? Like pay, you know, 20, 50 quid for a new battery and take out the battery and put it back in. If people are happy to keep their phone, of course, they want to sell you a new phone. That's the answer to that. Um, Periscope shuts down today. Oh, that was yesterday. RIP to the app that popularized live stream from phones. Periscope, the app that popularized live streaming from smartphones, is shutting down today, just over six years after it launched. I think once I used it. Uh, The service has already been removed from the app stores and most features will no longer be accessible after today. So, RIP Periscope. I suppose it was used at the very beginning, but not very much. Okay, that's been my lot for today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the news all the, from Starlink to how to use your phone as a webcam, which is very handy, and I'm going to be trying that myself today. Um, so I might let you know le- next week how I got on. As I say, anytime you can call 69 or 0871669800, or you can email uh, reception102 at gmail.com, and you can leave a message for Patrick Sheehan or for Tech Thursday, and I'll answer it on the next show. Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. I'll speak to you again next week.
You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM. 